Last year, we launched our course, The Data-Driven Classroom, and had hundreds of educators and clinicians take this course with consistently amazing feedback. I heard from so many teachers how this course really changed the way they approach data, how they were able to set up simple data systems, train their paras, and be collecting data to make data-based decisions within days of finishing the course. That feedback made me so happy. Now that course has been closed and unavailable since last year, but guess what? We are reopening the course, the data-based classroom, and I want you to be one of the first ones in. If data is something you have been struggling with for years, let's work on this together. Let me give you all of the tools to make this something that can consistently happen in your classroom. And guess what? Since you are a podcast listener, and I absolutely love my podcast listeners, I have an awesome code for you. When you use the code DATA100, you're going to get $100 off of the course bundle. Now, this code is only going to be usable until March 20th. So you only have one week to use this code, but Data 100 will get you $100 off of that course bundle. So that means for less than $200, you are getting the amazing data toolkit with literally hundreds of data sheets, all editable. And don't worry, I teach you how to edit it. And that entire data-driven course that touches on academic data, behavior data, staff training, and so much more. There's a link in the show notes with all of the information. Let's make this year the year that data really works. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. Welcome back to our series on tips for virtual instruction. Today, I am chatting with one of the members of my professional development membership group. Kelsey Jansen is a special education teacher, and in today's episode, she's sharing how she uses reinforcement during virtual teaching. Now, we still need reinforcement whether we are in the classroom or not, but as we know, it can be a little bit trickier to deliver when we're not in person. Kelsey has some great ideas that you can easily use in your classroom or your virtual therapy sessions. Hi, Kelsey. Thank you so much for joining me. Of course. Thanks for having me. So I am really excited today to chat about reinforcement, which I always love talking about. But today we're going to talk about reinforcement during virtual instruction, which I think is really important and sometimes actually overlooked. I actually, in August, remember posting on Facebook or Instagram something about the start of the year being about routines and reinforcement, and someone commented and said, oh, well, I'm in virtual learning, so I don't have to do reinforcement. And I was like, no, 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 (laughs) no, you still do. So why is it still important for our kids to receive reinforcement during virtual instruction? Well, reinforcement is so critical when it comes to the learning process. And we know that reinforcement increases the likelihood of things happening again in the future that we want to see. And when we introduce a new skill to a student, we always make sure that reinforcement is part of that process. 
And I think it's really important to recognize that virtual learning itself is a new skill that our kids need to learn. We couldn't just jump in day one and start, start academics or social skills instruction. I had to teach my kids how to even attend on a Zoom because most of them have never even FaceTimed or anything like that. And if we think about the parts of school that tend to be challenging for learners with autism, just a few examples are like the social interactions, the communication, and attending to instruction. Those are already challenging things for our learners. And now we have almost this extra layer of a hurdle, which is that we're virtual. So as I'm sure many other SPED teachers had this on their mind, when I heard we were going to be going virtual, I thought, how is this going to work for my kids? I'm not quite sure, but mm-hmm. we all we all figured it out. And I would argue that because this is such a new skill, we need reinforcement even more during virtual instruction. Yes, I would absolutely agree. I mean, think about even for adults, like all of the Zoom meetings that we've had to be on, that's hard for us as well to attend, to not grab your phone and look at Instagram on the side. There's a whole new set of skills, even as an adult, being part of a virtual meeting versus an in-person meeting. Correct. Definitely. So when when people sometimes think about reinforcement, I love that you gave such a perfect definition there. You know, sometimes it's misunderstood as a sticker or a piece of food and people are like, how am I going to possibly give something like that? remotely. Whereas, you know, stickers and food are not reinforcers for every kid. We obviously have to figure out what's a reinforcer for each student. So how did you tackle this hurdle of figuring out some ways to provide your students not only reinforcement, but a heavy schedule of reinforcement, especially when you started virtual learning? So the very first week of virtual learning, I did not hit any sort of work whatsoever because I knew that my students needed to make a positive association with Zoom or whatever video format districts use to start. So I'm not kidding. The entire first week, my schedule that I used, my mini schedule was uh, we said hello. We reviewed our rules for virtual learning. We did something fun like a Go Noodle song or a game, and then we said goodbye. And We literally did that every session, every day for the first week, because I wanted that that positive association, like I said. And then the second week, I added in one work task that was really basic before our fun go noodle or whatever, we would say goodbye. And then the following weeks, I just lengthened out that work time. Um, When we're at school, my staff and I were administering preference assessments once a week. Every week on Monday, we would do these. And that's obviously not something we can do now, or at least not the same way. So I I definitely started talking to parents to see what might be good reinforcers at home, because that's the other thing. A lot of the reinforcers that are available at school typically aren't available now. I can't get specific toys or games from my classroom to give to them. So The three ways that I came up with so far that have been working well for reinforcement are uh, virtual choice boards, virtual token boards, and believe it or not, the mini schedule itself turned out to be reinforcing for some of my kids. Oh, I get that because the to-do list is very reinforcing for me. (laughs) Okay. I love these three ideas. So let's go through these. So virtual choice, choice board, what does that look like? So these are just like picture choice boards that you would use in the school setting, but they're on the computer and they stay on the computer. And the great thing is these don't have to be 
super fancy, you could literally make one in five minutes on Microsoft Word if you wanted to. All you have to do is insert pictures of whatever the reinforcers are for that child. And um, if you're on Zoom or something where you can share your screen, you can just present that board to them. So for the students of mine who really like specific tangible items that maybe exist at their home, but not where I am, um, I just use pictures of those. So maybe it's a snack like goldfish, maybe it's a book or a specific toy they have at home. Um, but there are other students of mine who love more electronic things like songs on YouTube or online games. And so for those types of reinforcers, I'd, I'd still put those pictures on a choice board, um, but then I would embed the link that was, uh, that was gonna take them directly to that site into the picture. So all you have to do is click on the picture. It would zoom you to YouTube or wherever you need to go. Um, and a bonus feature of Zoom, which I loved discovering so far, was the remote access feature. And unfortunately, it's not um, compatible with all devices, but the students of mine who are attending Zoom sessions on an iPad, I can actually give them access after I share my screen so that they're navigating my screen um, and they can physically select their reinforcer themselves, which I think is a pretty powerful thing for them. Yes. Oh, thank you for bringing that up. I'm going to, in the show notes of this episode, add a little link to a tutorial for how to give screen access. And you're right. Unfortunately, it doesn't work you know, on Chromebooks or all devices, but for the few students whose devices it does work on, it's amazing. Yes, definitely. Okay. So that's virtual choice board. So either, you know, a simple Word document, simple PowerPoint, PowerPoint, you can add those links in. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And you mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, talking to parents and you mentioned using some items from home. So how did you start that conversation with parents to kind of figure out some reinforcers that you could use, you know, remotely that either they have in their house or some new ideas to find links and things like that? So, um, for more tangible items, um, I, I kind of started out with what was reinforcing to them back in March. And I know that's so long ago, but that's where I started. Um, so one of my students, for example, she loves to just sit at home and flip through magazines. I mean, she could do that all day. It's a very leisure skill for her. So um, they've got tons of magazines at home, and I would just work with that parent to um, whether it's a first then schedule or again on the choice board to show that it's it's really a teacher parent teamwork right there. Um, if a parent's available to be nearby and they can have that reinforcer ready as soon as I say go, like yay, you, you've earned your reinforcer, that's a really smooth transition. But um, for more electronic things, so a, a couple of my students love, I mentioned earlier the Go Noodle songs or um, like Starfall is a really popular website. I know I'm speaking from the elementary level, um, but I had parents email me, um, like one parent emailed me several links to songs her daughter liked on YouTube. And I would just put those into a choice board. And another parent said, hey, my kid spent two hours on Starfall independently today. And these were some mm -hmm. of the games he played. And so I would just get pictures of those games, embed the links, and then boom. So it was nice hearing from them because we never want to assume, right? We can't just assume something that's worked in the past is still working. And I've learned a lot of, of new things that the kids have access to at home that they don't at school. So that's kind of fun too. They get to have yeah. reinforcers they normally wouldn't have. 
Yeah. And like you said, it's really powerful when I think kids can see parents and teachers connect in that way of being a team of like, hey, look, they have pictures of what I like on my school computer and then mom gives it to me. Like that's that's cool when that connection can be made, I think, for kids as well and see that play out. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about virtual token boards. I'm excited about this one. Okay. Um, so these are also pretty easy to make. You don't have to spend a ton of time. Um, for me personally, the easiest way I've found to do these is on Google Slides. And I say that because a lot of the content that I'm presenting during my instructional sessions is already on Google Slides. I just think that's a really nice way to, to show things to the kiddos. So it's really easy on a blank slide to just insert a table uh, with however many slots you would need for tokens and then you can add pictures of whatever you're going to be using for tokens. And this is where you can get a little more fun and individualized with it. Um, at school, the token boards I use just have stars on them, um, and the kids are used to that. But I was really drawing on their personal interests. So a student of mine who loves Frozen, her uh, token pictures were pictures of snowflakes. And for another student who loves music, his token pictures were different music notes. And how you use it within um, Google Slides or wherever you're using it. Um, you can drag the tokens individually into the table, or um, I've kind of preset some token boards within the slide presentation. So for example, if I'm doing a reading group and let's say uh, the first three things on our agenda are to review our rules, that's always number one, then we're gonna read a story together and then we're gonna do, uh, I don't know, like sight word boom cards. So within my presentation, I would have a slide that came directly after our rules and it was a token board with the first space filled in. And then after our story, the next slide was a token board with two spaces filled in and so on and so on. And then by the time you get to the end, five full tokens and then it's reinforcer time. Oh, that's great. So it's all just ready to go. Yeah. It's a little more prep work, but you know, Love worth that. it. Great. So our last one, I the virtual token board is really awesome, I think. And, and like you said, it's really easy to do in, in Google Slides or in PowerPoint, you know, kind of the same idea and just share your screen and show it. Mm -hmm. And honestly, you could even, if you're not getting fancy and sharing your screen, you could even hold up, you know, yes. your physical token board from your classroom. Like that works absolutely fine as well too. So your last one, you mentioned that what became a reinforcer for some kids was the use of the mini schedule. So what did you mean by that? Yes. And I have to be honest, I wasn't expecting it to turn out to be a reinforcer. So that was something fun I learned along the way. Um, if you're a teacher who has access to BoardMaker online, it's like the best website ever. And if you don't <laughs> have access, you need to ask your supervisor because not only did you can make your own stuff, but they have templates galore. So um, under the schedules tab, I found a template and it's, it's very simple. It's a, it's got a to-do side and it's got a finish side and you can customize the buttons and put things in order. Um, and the fun part is when you take things from the to-do side and drag them over to the finished side, the picture like spins around a little bit and then it totally disappears. So it's not even on the finished side, it's gone. And so for my learners who tend to be, um, a little bit lower functioning, that visual concrete, it's gone, was reinforcing for them. 
And I have to be honest, for some of my kiddos, the most reinforcing thing they could have during virtual learning is to be done with their Zoom call <laughs> to say goodbye and leave. So that was just a little a little surprise I discovered along the way. That that is totally me though. I've I've told this story many times that when I do like a really hard workout class, sometimes they'll put like, you know, the order of the exercises on a, you know, a whiteboard or whatever. It's reinforcing for my behavior for when they cross it off because I'm like, I'm almost done, right? Yep. I'm almost out of here. So that's such a great point. And, um, you know, we need schedules to give that structure and to clarify expectations, but it can be so reinforcing as well. Definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. These were such great, tangible ideas that I think someone can turn around and add all of this in tomorrow. This seems like a daunting task, adding in, you know, quality reinforcement during virtual instruction. But I love that you explained it in such a way that it's very user-friendly and easy to implement. Definitely. I, I hope it helps some other teachers. I know it can be a little daunting to think about reinventing the wheel, but we're all about sharing resources, right? Yes. Well, thank you so much, Kelsey. I so appreciate you sharing all of your ideas today. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one -on -one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum. Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.